It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked on Seahawks, rejoining me after a long weekend catching fish. Rob Rang, and what better time to come back to the podcast than the first day of padded practices? This is another holiday for me because Yes, the first few training camp practices are still exciting. It's just fun seeing football back on the field. But being able to see real football or close to real football, one-on-ones between offensive linemen and defensive linemen, physical coverage on the outside, running backs actually getting hit a little bit, it gets me really excited. Yeah, me too. It, it drew me back to civilization, Corbin. Uh, as you <laughs> mentioned, I've you know, been on that little mini vacation, and I guess that's just kind of the veteran in me, is I know when things start to get a little bit serious. When, they, when it turns from July to August, that's when the, the summer ends, at least from my, uh, from my perspective, and football really begins in earnest. And so, yes, an, an exciting day today. Seahawks opened their, their first padded practice, and so that's when uh, of course, when you are going to start to hear some of those cracks, and, and that to me is is what makes the the, uh, the this part of the, this time of the year so much fun. And, and of course, from the, from the perspective, while they've been doing their uh, you know four or five uh, training camp practices so far. They've also been making news with the signing of the, the quarterback and Sean Mannion. So there has been all kinds of big news while I was away. And so I'm eager to kind of break it down and take a little bit more of a kind of a of a, a look at the Seahawks refurbished defensive line and all the different things that this team could do. I, I think that this is, uh, we are on the eve of a very exciting season for Seahawks fans, Corbin. Yeah, we've got tons to talk about, and I can't complain after the long, dark days of June and July when there isn't a lot to talk about. We've got a surplus of topics, so this is going to be a loaded Tuesday episode, including talking that reshuffled defensive line and some observations from yesterday's final initial Phase 3 practice with just helmets, no shoulder pads. We're moving on to pads. Couldn't be happier. This episode's brought your way Buy Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. A lot of times when players change teams, particularly skilled players that have to adjust to a new quarterback, that acclimation period can take some time. But that does not look to be the case for Gerald Everett, Seattle's new tight end that they brought in from the Rams. And I think expectations were that he was going to be able to hit the ground running to an extent because of his familiarity with Shane Waldron being his coach the first four years of his career with the Rams. He was his tight end coach, his rookie season, then was the passing game coordinator the last three years. So the two of them have a very close relationship. They have worked together expectations were set for him to hit the ground running. But at the same time, he and Russell Wilson had never played together before, and and that can take time to establish chemistry. 
So far, though, that has not been the case. Russell Wilson has been looking for him early and often, and and somehow, you and I have both been excited about Gerald Everett going into the season. Somehow, he has surpassed my expectations in the first five practices. That's exciting right there. I mean, because as you just mentioned, uh, you know, we've both been very high on, on Gerald Everett. Uh, I've been high on Everett ever since, uh, you know, since South Alabama days. I mean, this is a guy that has terrific athletic ability, as we've mentioned so many times. And then, I, again, I, I love that you mentioned the the connection that, that Everett has with Shane Waldron. It's not just the fact that they both were with the Rams, but as the former positional coach, former tight end coach, we have seen just kind of this, uh, you know, a, a rebirth, frankly, uh, of the tight end position, it sounds like, over these first five or six days of, uh, of Seahawks practices. And I think that's very much by design. I think that the talent that Seattle has, uh, you know, on the field and just the variety of players they have, obviously, Everett at 6'3", 245 pounds, roughly. Then you got a guy like Kobe Parkinson at 6'7", 260 pounds. You got, you know, old, I shouldn't say old, but Mr. Reliable and Will Disley, of course, uh, as well. So you really have such a huge room there of talent. And then I love the fact that you said it also about Gerald Everett hit the ground running. To me, that is what he can do, especially with the the, the injury concerns you have right now with your top draft pick, Dwayne Eskridge, uh, you know, in, in Seattle's huge, huge need, as we discussed so much last year about that need for a third uh, receiving threat. I really believe Gerald Everett can be that. And then Kobe Parkinson can be an absolute monster in the red zone. And, and then again, Disley's ability to do a little bit of everything, I really think that makes this tight end room just a huge, huge strength for the Seahawks when it basically has been a, a minus for, for years to come. Yeah, the last couple of seasons, this was really one of the big shortcomings for Brian Schottenheimer, in my opinion. Is And you look back at his track record, it's been a problem for him when he was the Jets offensive coordinator, when he's with the Rams. Tight ends just have not been a big part of the passing game in his offenses, and that continued last year, especially in the second half. And I'm going to make the argument the tight end group has been, in my opinion at least, the most impressive group in training camp for the Seahawks to this point. And I've loved what I've seen from the running backs. Defensive line, as we'll talk about later, has been impressive. Some newcomers coming in and looking good the first week. Cornerback, there's been some big plays from a number of guys. But the tight end group, it just feels like Russell Wilson has been feeding the football to these guys in the passing game, and that's extremely exciting. And Everett has been the mainstay of that group. I have him right now. I might have missed one or two of his catches at some point, so maybe he had more. But I had him credited for 11 receptions during team sessions in the last three practices alone, including a touchdown last Thursday. And on that play, Ben Burkirvan, Give him a ton of credit. He was all over Gerald Everett in the end zone. It was perfect coverage, but Wilson's throw was actually underthrown a little bit and it allowed Everett to be able to make the adjustment back to the football, keep his foot, uh, both feet in bounds, and he was able to reel in the pass and drew uh, loud cheers from the crowd with his first touchdown as a Seahawk on the practice field. And since then, he's had several big catches where he has turned up field and showed off that after the catch ability, which has been something Pete Carroll has emphasized ever since they signed him as one of his biggest strengths. He was fourth in the league last year, according to Pro Football Focus, for yards after the catch per reception among qualified tight ends. So this is something he has been good at ever since he came into the league. And that's a dimension, as DK Metcalf mentioned yesterday, that they haven't had in this offense. And so I think it's really exciting seeing the rapport, the trust that Russell Wilson already has in Gerald Everett, who said a lot of that has to do with the fact that They've been throwing together since April and June down in San Diego. 
this offseason, a lot more players are able to get together because even though the pandemic is still going on, we've got vaccinations and a lot of these players have been able to get together and work out. And so Everett was able to go down multiple times and run routes with Russell Wilson. You can already see that work that those two put in uh, paying dividends on the practice field. Yeah, exactly. It is building up that rapport. That was one of our huge question marks is it was what would uh, Russell Wilson be able to uh, build that immediate rapport with any of the new additions? And that, that's obviously going to be a question for every quarterback and every offense around the league. But it is difficult to do. But with uh, Everett's experience in his back pocket in, in Waldron's offense, with the renewed focus on, at the tight end position, well, let's just face it on. You know, from football perspective, if you were trying to defend the Seahawks, you know you have to have at least, obviously, single coverage on the outsides of the receivers, if not double coverage. And, and that's that means that Everett is almost always, any of Seattle's tight ends are almost always going to be one-on-one. -on -one. If you have that tackle-breaking ability that Everett has, as well as the breakaway speed, I think that it kind of goes back to your point about how much of a factor that he can be. And I'm not a huge stats guy, Corbin, as you well know. Uh, but at the same time, if we were to take those three practices and you know, 11 catches uh, and extrapolate that over a 16 game season, you know, you're talking about 60 plus catches from the tight end that would completely revolutionize Seattle's offense. And I, I mentioned before about the quarterback. I don't want to get off sidetrack too much here, but just like Joe Everett, I think it's going to help Seattle's tight end room. I really believe that Sean Mannion's perspective being in uh, Shane Waldron's offense, or at least a version of it is also going to help the quarterback room that only is going to improve Russell Wilson's play, likely Geno Smith's play as well. And then it makes things a little bit more interesting if you're a guy like Alex Magoo who's fighting and scratching against him on the squad. Yeah, signing Mannion was not about him competing for a roster spot. They basically were hiring an assistant coach that's going to be wearing a uniform <laughs> is basically what they were doing. So Geno Smith's not being threatened for that backup job, but it gives them somebody that is well-versed in this offense. He knows Shane Waldron well. And that's going to help Russell Wilson. It's going to help this entire offense. According to Pete Carroll, he already had learned all the terminology one day after signing. That's how smart this guy is. So it's going to be a nice asset for them to have on the field, having another guy with familiarity with Shane Waldron and some of the things he's going to be doing in this scheme. When we come back in the second quarter, two newcomers along the defensive line for the Seahawks. They have, let's just say, a, a bit of a checkered past, but – they're trying to be the latest reclamation projects to find success in Seattle. And so far, it's been so good for Robert Kandice and Alden Smith. We're going to talk about those two players, what we've seen from them so far in camp, and whether or not they have a chance to truly stick in Seattle in 2021. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks Podcast, Tuesday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang. One of the big storylines coming out of Seattle's offseason program was how impressive Robert Kimdiche looked on the field, the energy, the enthusiasm that he was playing with. And one of the big questions that you and I had, is he going to be able to continue doing that when training camp gets rolling? And maybe we still got to wonder about that once the pads come out. But he has resoundly answered yes to that through the first week, seeing him bobbing up and down the sidelines The yellow marker is as far as the players can go because of social distancing rules. He gets as far up on that line as he can, bobbing up and down, shouting, oh yeah, oh yeah, let's go, fans getting fired up. And he has quickly become a fan favorite at Seahawks training camp practice. And oh, by the way, he's also making plays between the lines. Robert Kimdiche is a really exciting talent quarterback. I mean, he's still only 27 years old. I mean, this was a guy who, you know, when he was drafted out of Ole Miss uh, by the Arizona Cardinals, obviously Seattle's division rival, I really thought this could be a difference maker for that squad. And it just hasn't happened for him. And, and, and he, as Pete Carroll has kind of talked about in some of his post-practice uh, press conferences about Kimdiche's, you know, it, he's kind of been labeled as like this free spirit. And it's, he's a guy that, that has a lot of personality on and off the field as you just kind of referenced and is getting the crowd excited. I, I think that because of that, with some coaches, you have kind of a, I don't know if I want to say militant background, but the very much more of a strict kind of a, of a player coach relationship. I don't know that that would work very well with Kim DJ, but with Pete Carroll, I mean, maybe it's just the fact that I am coming off of that vacation court, but I'm just seeing the sunshine. I don't know, but I really think that Pete Carroll is exactly the type of personality and not just Carroll, but Clint Hurt as well, a defensive line coach, uh, who have the motivating uh, type of personalities that I really think could light that fire under Robert Kimdiche. And again, just talking about his pure talent. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's 6'4", who's 300 pounds, 4'8", you know, arms that are like vines. I mean, like 34 and a half inch arms, I, I believe, off the top of my head. I mean, they, they, he's he's powerful. He's quick. He is a, the, the kind of guy that could be an absolute difference maker. And then, and I don't want to just jump ahead to Alden Smith. I'm curious to hear your thoughts, your continued thoughts on Kim Dice. But with Alden Smith, I'm even more excited. I mean, this is a guy who spent, you know, four or five years out of the league, comes back and is a is arguably Dallas's most reliable defensive lineman a year ago. And because he had some off-field issues and the same type of reasons I just mentioned before, why I think that Carroll and Clint Hurt can get into the head of Kim Dietsch. I think they also can appeal to the head and the heart of Alden Smith. And it sounds like that might be happening. And I'm telling you right now that the, the, the teams in the NFL, at least in my opinion, that, that absolute, that they have a chance at winning Super Bowls, not only have the franchise quarterbacks, obviously, they also have dominant defensive lines. And if the Seahawks for pennies on the dollar 
get that type of uh, talent in, in Kandiche and Alan Smith to go with what they already have, that defensive line could be absolutely frightening. And I think one of the reasons that fans have been so excited about both of these players, I mean, being on the sidelines and just getting to hear fans behind me shouting, hey, Alden, knock over the sled, or Robert Kimdiche, come over here, and we want to hear you shout and dance and all, whatever you're going to do. Uh, these two guys have been so popular in part because of what they have done in those individual drills. I mean, Alden Smith the other day did almost knock one of the one-man sleds over because he thumped it so hard. And Robert Kimdiche said a couple times that he's knocked the sled onto his side. So, I mean, you're talking about two guys that are incredibly powerful men. And we know that when they are on their A games, they are difference makers. At this point, I mean, the, the issue with Alden Smith is we don't know what his future holds. He's still got his arraignment scheduled for uh, the secondary uh, – battery charges that were levied against him. He's still got that arrangement coming up later this month. So his status for the regular season has yet to be determined, but for now he's been able to stay out of league trouble. It's allowed him to practice in camp and he looks really good. He's lighter. He joked with us the other day, he was fat last year. Uh, so he lowered a little bit of his weight back in down into the two fifties. And he looks fantastic, really fluid, drop it back in coverage, but I'm really buying Robert Kim DJ at this point. I need to see what he looks like when the pads come on. But like I said, this has not just been about him being a cheerleader. And, and Pete Carroll's loved that. It's a side of Robert Kim DJ that he claims he didn't know existed. And he's not going to try to stop a beautiful spirit. That's how he deemed Robert Kim DJ. He's going to let him be him and, and have fun in the field. That's Pete Carroll's way of doing things anyway. So it's a great fit as long as he's producing and he's made some really nice plays granted without pads on, but you can see that quick first step. I believe it was the uh, first practice that they had. He got into the backfield for two tackles for loss. And then on Thursday, their second day, he had another one where he shot in the backfield, but then he sat, he set anchor because it was a counter and poor DJ Dallas. If it would have been a padded practice, he might not be around. He might've been consumed as lunch. Uh, so Kim DJ just looked fantastic and Carol didn't specifically reference those plays, but he was talking about how he went back and looked at Kim DJ's couple highlights. He had at Arizona. And I said, couple as a realistic word, he just didn't do much at Arizona when he did make splash plays. The few times he did, you could see the athletic talent talent that he has at 300 pounds, but Carol has seen those type of plays consistently from him on the practice field if that carries over with pads coming out, and I'm a believer at this point that it will, then he's got a real chance to play significant snaps rotating in as a three-tech defensive lineman in those bare fronts. He would be a big end, function like a big end, maybe play that four-eye position, and you can use him in your NASCAR packages as a pass rusher with those athletic traits from the interior. I really think he's got a chance to get a big role. If Alden Smith's available – Again, we don't know whether he's going to be available to play or not, but if they have him in week one, I think Alden Smith could play in those packages as well because he's got the athleticism. I think the Leo and Sam positions at this point basically are clones of one another. He can play yeah. either one of those spots in this scheme that basically is a 3-4 with two overhanging hybrid linebacker defensive ends. He can play either one of those spots, so it gives you a lot of flexibility, and so – Again, I've talked about this time and time again. I don't know that the Seahawks have had this good of depth at defensive end in the Pete Carroll era. 
And if they can have all of these players around and they play to their capabilities, this line could be a force to reckon with. It really could. And you've made a couple of really excellent points there. I think with with Alden Smith specifically, you know, just the fact that, again, he he does have that experience in both the 4-3 as a traditional 4-3 defensive end rushing upfield hand in the dirt, as well as a 3-4 rush linebacker and dropping into coverage in San Francisco, as well as in Dallas. He has that hunger apparently reawakened in him. Um, and, and then going back to, to Kim Diche and the, the, the beautiful spirit as you said with Pete Carroll but to me the most interesting thing about that was that the Carroll admitting that that he was kind of surprised by Kim DJ and had to go back and watch his tape a little bit that to me suggests that even Pete Carroll eternally optimistic Pete Carroll is seeing has been wowed splash plays exactly from Kim DJ that he's excited too and I, I hate to go back to the quarterback the Sean Mannion mentioned in the first quarter here I almost think that that is a little bit more of a reflection uh, of the Seahawks saying, look, this is a potentially dominant defense. If this defensive line is as good as we think it could be, and this is training camp, who knows? But still, then maybe going back to that mentality of let's just control the clock, let's be defensive oriented, and let's make sure that we have quarterbacks who understand. Don't give up the easy plays. Make sure you are truly understanding your play so you're not giving up like the pick, the pick sixes and things like that because this defense – could be basically a continuation of what we saw in the second half of last year, and that being one of the NFL's absolute best. One last thing I want to add on Alden Smith, when we talk about the positional versatility, and I asked him about getting moved around a lot, and he wasn't surprised by that. He said this defense is very similar to ones he's played in before, but they had him a couple times as a stand-up linebacker sugaring the A-gap, and you know how excited that I get, Rob, when you've got yeah. an athletic 250, 260-pound guy like that that can shoot through the A-gap. Guards don't like that. Remember <laughs> Jadevian Clowney a couple years ago having success doing that when Seattle moved him around. When you are in your dime packages and you have a player like that at that size that you can move all over the line – that is a major asset, and the Seahawks have a lot more pieces around Alden Smith than what Jadevian Clowney did a couple of years ago. And so, again, there's a ton of potential there. They have to prove it on the field, but I've been impressed with what I've seen from both these guys. If they've truly turned a new leaf and they're going to be motivated throughout camp and going into the season, both have a chance to be major assets for the Seahawks defensive line in 2021. When we come back in the third quarter, the Seahawks were back on the practice field on Monday following a day off, heading into padded practice starting today. What did I see and hear at the VMAC? We're going to be discussing some storylines coming out of the fifth practice. When we return, you're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car and truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection 
reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks Podcast Tuesday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang. After a day off on Sunday, the Seahawks returned to action on Monday for their Fifth training camp practice, the fourth one open to the media and the public. And it was, again, a very defensive day. I've noticed that's been the theme so far. It seems like the defense, for the most part, has been the most dominant side of the football for the Seahawks so far. There have been some big plays on offense, but a lot of struggles trying to finish off drives, especially when they're doing situational drills like red zone or when they're working on two-minute drill. The defense has been able to come up with big plays, but I do want to start this segment looking at what happened yesterday. I want to start on the offensive side of the football because to me, the player of the day was on offense, and we talked Gerald Everett in the first quarter. I'm expecting big things from him, but Colby Parkinson, what a day that he had yesterday, and he's been mostly getting passes from Geno Smith, so he's been getting a lot of reps with the second unit, He's played some with the first unit, but we have talked, Rob, about the tools that Colby Parkinson brings to the field. Six foot seven, around 260, 265 pounds, and he is a shredded 260, 265 pounds. This guy is ripped. You can tell that he was spending a lot of time in the weight room when he was on the non-football injury list recovering from a broken foot last year. He's put in that work. He's a fluid athlete of that size, and most importantly, he has soft hands. This is a guy that did not have a single drop his last year at Stanford, and I haven't seen him drop anything on the practice field either. Everything that was thrown his direction yesterday, he was reeling in. Makes Pierre Desir's play on him knocking the ball away last weekend uh, a bit more impressive when you look back at it because he's extremely difficult to defend just given his size. None of the Seattle's corners are going to be able to stack up with a six-seven tight end who can move like that and He had seven receptions during their team drills and seven on seven yesterday. Caught two touchdowns. One of them, Geno Smith, threw and he high pointed it. Gavin Heslip had great coverage, but he had absolutely no chance. It was a perfect throw. And quite frankly, I think even if Gavin Heslip had stilts, he's probably not going to get his hand on the football. That's what being six foot seven does for you. And on the other one, he went down the seam had double coverage on him, and it looked like he had two peewee leaguers trying to defend him because of how (laughs) tall he is. It's the fact that he's so big, he's got that athleticism, he's a solid route runner, a really intelligent guy on top of that, that makes him such a unique red zone weapon. And you're starting to see Shane Waldron already figure that out. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that uh, it's easy to see, as you mentioned. I mean, because at 6'5", 260 pounds, 33-plus-inch arms, I mean, Kobe Parkinson is just such a huge target out there that uh, that he does have such um, you know great potential in the red zone. And he has those soft hands, as you mentioned. I, I just – I don't know. I, I Parkinson is a player that I personally was very, very high on early in his time at, at Stanford. Um, his, his final season there – 
the Cardinal really struggled. Um, they, they had issues at quarterback. They had all kinds. And, and Parkinson's statistics just plummeted. I, I was stunned when he fell to uh, you know to day three the way that he did. He was a guy that I had a borderline first-round great entering uh, his final season. And as I mentioned, uh, everything just kind of fell apart for him. And then he was on the football injured list, as you mentioned, and really bulks up, really takes advantage of that opportunity. He looks like an absolute monster out there, Corbin, as we, we talked about before. I really think that he has a chance to be a true difference maker, in, especially in the red zone. He does have good straight line speed. I'm just I'm so excited about what Gerald Everett can bring to the Seahawks that I think Kobe Parkinson sometimes can get lost in the shuffle a little bit, but I don't think that Kobe Parkinson is going to be losing get lost in any kind of shuffle Again, when it comes down to the red zone, that's where I really think that he is going to star. And speaking of stars, uh, Rod Marr, the Seahawks photographer, I think he does a terrific job. He kudos to him. He's he's incredible. Of, yeah, of that exact moment where, where Parkinson is making, I mean, his hands outstretched, making that select, uh, making that reception for touchdown over Heslop, who, as you mentioned, is in perfect position. It's just, it was a perfect throw by Geno Smith. It's a perfect catch by just a much bigger man in Parkinson. It's truly taking advantage of, uh, of the player's strengths. I think, again, Parkinson's speed, his size, his catch radius makes him one of those unguardable guys. And, and that's the exciting thing about the Seahawks roster is it just feels like there's so many guys who have so much potential. And then, oh, by the way, you have those established stars like Wilson and Metcalf and Wagner, et cetera, et cetera. And the thing about Parkinson's speed, he ran in the four sevens. And plenty of people are going to say, well, that's not that fast. But for a guy that's 6'7", 260 pounds, those are some pretty good wheels. You don't have to run a 4.5 to be a real threat. And I think he looks faster on the field than he runs the four seven with those long strides. He had a play yesterday where he caught a ball in the flats and turned up the sideline and then cut back inside ended up getting more than 30 yards after the catch. I I think he even catches defensive players off guard with how fast he actually is, the burst that he has. And I also want to call out Geno Smith here because I I think Geno, if you have ever looked at his Twitter feed, he's always looking for something to motivate himself. And when they signed Sean Mannion, you could tell he he basically, he's creating a narrative that maybe isn't even being pushed just to, to motivate himself. And he went out yesterday and was just throwing dimes. So if he needs to have stuff like that happen to make him play better, then so be it. I mean, he threw a couple of beautiful passes. That one that you mentioned that Rod Marr took that amazing photograph of, Geno Smith is the one that threw that ball, and it was perfectly placed for Colby Parkinson to high point it. Gavin Heslip had absolutely no chance. So kudos to Geno Smith for doing a fantastic job so far in camp. And and Sean Manny is not there to be threatening his job. Geno Smith has secured that number two spot behind Russell Wilson. Let's go to the secondary the cornerbacks have played really well up to this point, even with the limitations they have playing the football until padded practices. Akella Witherspoon's been one of the stars of camp so far, has had a number of pass deflections. Pierre Desir's made some nice plays. On Monday, though, two other veterans came up and made their case for getting some playing time on the outside. And I want to start with Demarius Randall because he's kind of been an afterthought when we've been talking about this cornerback competition. I've thrown him out a few times because he does have 30 career starts on the outside when he played for the Green Bay Packers at the beginning of his career. Then he moved to safety late in his time in Green Bay, Cleveland, he played safety. The Seahawks decided to move him back to corner. And yesterday, DJ Dallas was running a 
the route into the flats. It looked like maybe there was a communication issue between him and Russell Wilson. Randall jumps the route, picks it off, and nearly had a pick six. He did get caught around the 10-yard line, but it was a fantastic play. Pete Carroll's been talking him up throughout camp. He's looked really good. Having a big play like that is going to certainly get him into the discussion, competing for one of those two starting spots. And then Trey Flowers had a good day as well. Swatted away a pass to DK Metcalf on a flea flicker. Ball got popped up in the air, and Quandre Diggs makes an incredible diving interception. Fired up the defense, fired up Pete Carroll. So they hadn't been getting turnovers the first few practices. That changed yesterday. So we're seeing some big plays from this secondary, and it seems like different guys are stepping up every day. That's what makes this competition so darn exciting. Yeah, we, we've talked about a lot. The cornerback uh, position is going to be the, the the position to watch for training camp and the, the battles. You know, four of uh, Seattle's five uh, corners from a year ago are no longer on the roster, including both the starters, of course. So, uh, you know, so it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that all shakes out. I, I love what you mentioned about Demarius Randall and, and the former safety uh, playing at the cornerback spot. I mean, he, he has the frame more like you would associate with a typical corner, although not necessarily a Seahawks corner, 5'11", 195 pounds, legitimate 4'4 guy. And it was that type of quickness, instincts, and ball skills that uh, that he demonstrated in that almost pick six that you referenced before is exactly what made him a, a first-round pick out of Arizona State a couple of years ago. And then another uh, you know, all-pack 12 player, uh, you know, kind of a guy in, in a killer weatherspoon um, operating as well as he is on the other side. So that's obviously exciting news. And then, again, I, it's like I said before, with, with with Will Disley when I uh, kind of misnomer said old. Uh, same thing here with Trey Flowers. He is far from old, but he is the he's the reliable one. He's the incumbent, and I think that people are sleeping on him a little bit. I think all this talk about everybody else. Trey Flowers is a pretty solid player when he's got cover or when he's got a pass rush in front of him. At least that's what I believe. And to me, that's one of the things we talked about this so much before, Corbin, about the versatility along a defensive line or running back or receiver. Think about the positional versatility that Seattle has in Flowers and with a guy like Demarius Randall. Both of them having corner experience, both of them having safety experience. It's not just that whether they line up on the field, it's the communication that they have to be able to have together. When you have such a position of, uh, of concern, like Seattle has the corner, where there's going to be so much transition, then you have to be able to make sure that all these guys are going to be able to communicate. So to be able to see Trey Flowers tip that ball, see Quandre Diggs make that interception, get his feet in bounds, and it, that, that's the coordination. That's the rapport that Gerald Everett was talking about. He built up with Russell Wilson. That's exactly what Trey Flowers and Quandre Diggs already have for the Seahawks. It's going to be fascinating to see if guys like, uh, the, you know, that we already mentioned, Demarius Randall, if he's able to develop that with Seattle's for uh, other defensive backs as well. I want to cap off this segment talking about a player that had an all-pro caliber year last year, but he wasn't named to the all-pro team. I thought he was the biggest snub for the Pro Bowl on Seattle's roster, and that's Jason Myers. He didn't miss a single field goal last year. He broke Alindo Mare's franchise record for consecutive field goals made, and by the way, that record is still going when 2021 kicks off. He's going to be looking to extend that record. He has been lights out on the practice field. Yesterday, he booted a 61-yarder from the left hash that probably would have been good from 67, 68 yards. It just seems like 
his leg power has gone up the last couple of years. He's really booting the football. And I've seen him miss one field goal during their team sessions. And I've, you know, if you watch practice, if you actually look over to the side field where the kicker and punter and stuff are at pretty much the entire practice. And I'll admit, I very rarely ever look over there. Those guys are are kind of all doing their own thing, but you look over there, they're going to miss some field goals. It happens. But in team sessions, he just has been fantastic. Does not look like he's missed a beat at all going from 2020 to 2021. And if he's able to turn in another season like last year, the Seahawks may very well have a first-team All-Pro kicker on their roster. One of the most improved special teams units in the league should still be one of the best this season, with Myers being one of the highlights. Yeah, no question about it. I don't think anybody could have blamed Jason Myers for basically kind of patting himself on the back and kind of coasting a little bit into this season. But it sounds like he's taking the exact opposite approach and wants to continue that that uh, that that perfect streak. So, uh, yeah, that, that's one more reason to be excited. And it's Myers was fantastic last year. It's not only the accuracy, but the leg strength, as you mentioned, some 60-plus yarders uh, being made in practice. So uh, exciting times on the special teams for the Seahawks. I think that their, their run of Pro Bowlers has looked like it's going to continue. Real quick shout out. We don't give a lot of love to the undrafted rookies on this show. And a lot of times it's because there's not time. But I do want to give some shout outs to a few guys that had good days yesterday from the undrafted ranks. Cade Johnson from South Dakota State catching the first touchdown that he's had in the Seahawks uniform. Catching that pass from Geno Smith. Again, Geno had a fantastic day. Real nice route inside the five-yard line. Got open against tight coverage. Geno Smith hits him for the score. And then a couple plays later, Josh Johnson out of the backfield, running back from Louisiana Monroe, ended up bouncing an off-tackle run, gets to the sideline, rockets past the corner, and scores a touchdown of his own. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Ashari Crosswell, he's going to have a tough time competing at that safety position given the talent Seattle has, but made a really nice play against tight end Tyler Mabry, who looked like he had a touchdown Crosswell came up and punched the football out of his hands just as he was coming to the ground, taking away the score. So three undrafted rookies getting a little bit of momentum going into padded practices. And maybe this is where some of those guys start to gain some separation from some of the other players in the roster. We start to figure out who the real players are when the pads come on. Maybe a few of these undrafted rookies will start to stand out now that we're stepping up to a much closer level to real football Make sure to check out the Locked On Bets podcast. Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Check out Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the new Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Coming up on our Wednesday show, we're going to be sharing our observations from the first padded practice. The Seahawks are going to be taking the field at 1.30 this afternoon. We'll be discussing our observations and maybe starting to dive into some players that have raised their stock in camp and ones that haven't so much through the first week and a half. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Go Hawks. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 